So this video is going to be a good follow-up video for the one that I did on um, the two witnesses a couple of days ago where I talked about um, how the two witnesses are going to have a private ministry. What they're doing during that ministry that they have is they are discipling the people who will be among the 144,000 of Israel. And once um, that is done, and by the way, that's going to take about three years. It's about the same amount of time that it took Jesus to disciple the 12 apostles. And I remember years ago, I was listening to a pastor preach, and one of the things that he said about the end times is that the ministry of Christ is going to be repeated during the end times. And that stuck in my head as something that was important. I didn't really know how that would actually play out. But when we have uh, the 12 apostles who are going to be judging the 12 tribes of Israel, we see that the apostles are associated with the 12 tribes. And then we see the 144,000 of Israel, 12,000 from each of the 12 tribes. They're associated with a, a what I would call a firstborn um, group that is the foundation for a new ministry. So this is how I see the ministry being passed on. And there's there are examples that I'm going to give um, today that I, some I've given before and some I'm going to expand on when it comes to uh, imparting the Holy Spirit to other people, which is part of what we're going to be doing. But in the first century, Jesus trained 12 men. They were discipled. He discipled them. They weren't actually what we would call believers. In other words, they didn't actually believe that Jesus was sent from God, like really believe it, until the Last Supper. And that's part of what that whole upper room discourse is about, is Jesus trying to bring the apostles to a place of faith. And he was able to do that. And we'll cover those verses here in just a minute. Once they were brought to a point of faith, <laughs> on the night that Jesus was betrayed, Jesus died the next day, and then he rose three days after that. And one of the very first things that he did after he rose from the dead was he ascended to his father and was glorified. Okay, he resurrected as an immortal person, but not glorified. He wasn't glorified till he ascended into heaven. Once he was glorified, then he could give the Holy Spirit to people. And that was one of the very first things he did on the same day he rose from the dead was he breathed on the apostles and said, receive the Holy Spirit. Jesus discipled 12 men. At the end of, you know, basically three and a half years, he brought them to a place of faith. And then three and a half days after that, they were filled with the Holy Spirit. And then Jesus was with them for like 40 days. And then he had them come to the Mount of Olives and he gave final instructions. And then he ascended into heaven. And then 10 days after that on Pentecost, uh, the disciples, the 12 apostles, you know, minus Judas plus Matthias, <laughs> and 120 people and 3,000 other people received the baptism, the Joel 2 outpouring of the Holy Spirit. 
And what the apostles got the double portion. They received the Holy Spirit. They were sealed in it on the day Jesus rose from the dead and also 50 days later. So they got the double portion. What that means was is that Jesus was basically passing the ministry to the apostles. So there's a pattern here. And the pattern of the 144,000 is going to follow the pattern that Jesus did with his apostles. So instead of Jesus discipling and training the 144,000, he's sending Moses and Elijah to do that. That's their job, is bringing them to a place of faith. Well, Moses and Elijah are not allowed to give the Holy Spirit to anybody because they're not passing off their ministry. They're passing off a different ministry. They're passing off a ministry that's basically our ministry. And we will pass that off to the 144,000 when we uh, help Christ seal the 144,000 in the Holy Spirit over the Feast of Tabernacles, which is the only first fruits feast left that the Holy Spirit needs to be given to somebody. So we're going to cover this pattern and I, I'm going to go a little deeper into Moses and Elijah and their ministry and why they can only take the 144,000 so far and then they have to pass them off to somebody else. They have to pass them off to us. Okay, so we're going to talk about that in a minute. The second thing I noticed was that there is this group of believers. I, I think they're believers and I, I'm giving them a name now. <laughs> I'm calling them God-fearers. I'm calling them God-fearers and uh, you'll see why in a minute. But I noticed that there was this group of people um, who fear God and give him glory. And I'm like, well, what does that mean? <laughs> who are those people? Are, are they Christians? And then I started thinking about the parable of the sheep and the goats. And I talked about how the goats are actually, they're not real people. Those are, you know, hybrids. There, And I've talked about that in other videos. The goats are not real people. They are cursed. <laughs> They're under a curse. But the other people who uh, call Jesus Lord, who did all these wonderful things, uh, you know, fed people and visited them in prison and so on and so forth, there they're being commended and they're told that they can enter into the kingdom, into the inheritance that was prepared from them for for them from the foundation of the world. And I start thinking about that and I'm going, well, that's that's how Paul talks about us, that there, we were chosen before the foundation of the world for this inheritance, um, you know, through Christ. And so I'm thinking about this and then I'm going, okay, there's a pattern that the Holy Spirit is given um, that that is going to be followed during the end times that um, when one group sees another group leave, they pass the baton off to somebody else who then is the, you know, basically the equivalent of the 12 apostles. They're the foundation for this, this next time period. And, and the 144,000 are to the end times what the 12 apostles were in the first century. Only they're not going to have as long a ministry. Their ministry will, will be very short, but it's going to be under extremely excruciating painful and difficult times. Okay. And then once um, they're taken into heaven, the 144,000 have their own rapture. That's uh, described in uh, Revelation chapter 14. And also Revelation 3.10 is 
about the faithful overcoming Jews, those of Israel who are real Jews, <laughs> who are going to be taken before the hour of trial. And the hour of trial is that hour, day, month, and year when Babylon is destroyed at the sixth trumpet, second woe, which happens to be the same day as the abomination of desolation, also happens to be the same day that the two witnesses rise from the dead and ascend into heaven. And that's going to be a really important point, too. And then after that, we read about people giving God glory. <laughs> and that sort of started me on a little bit deeper dive than I've taken before into the, uh, the giving of the Holy Spirit, which is a, it's a huge part of the end times that most people think and they teach that once the church is gone, that the Spirit is taken. And... There is, a, there is a part of that that's true, only they don't know when to place that, okay? And that actually won't be placed until the abomination of desolation, uh, the day the two witnesses ascend. There isn't going to be another giving of the Holy Spirit after that. But there will be, before uh, we leave, um, we'll be imparting, sharing, um, breathing on um, the 144,000 and sharing with others as well, uh, so that... Um, the 144,000 of Israel will be sealed in the Holy Spirit, and basically they take our our ministry now. Okay, so we're we're passing it off to them. So let's just go ahead and look at this. I have show notes for you today. Uh, the first part here, I have the relevant passages that talk about God fearers or people that fear God. And okay, I just want to make one more point here. Revelation is very, very, very precise. And when, um, when we read through the book of, of Revelation, we think of it kind of, you know, at least I did anyway, more of a literary book. You know, there's going to be kind of flowery language to describe things. And, and there's an element of that um, that's true in the sense that we're dealing with a lot of symbolism here. But when it comes to people, People in Revelation are divided into groups that have um, their own uh, rapture, their own filling with the Holy Spirit, their, their own thing. They're their own thing. So the man-child who's going to be caught up to God into his throne, we next see as the 24 elders seated in God's throne room. And so the 24 elders, man-child group, that's a group. Okay, And then the 144,000 is a group. And... The people who are going to be caught up after the abomination of desolation, the people we see standing on the sea of glass in Revelation 15, that's a group. Different groups of believers, all three of those are going to be raptured. Okay. Now there's two groups of martyrs. There's the martyrs of the harlot that are killed during 10 days of persecution before the abomination of desolation. And then there's the martyrs of the beast who are martyred, obviously, after the beast begins to reign at the time of the abomination. Okay, so they're a group. There are other groups of individuals in Revelation. There's a difference between the earth dwellers, those who dwell on earth, and people from every tribe, tongue, people, and nation. If you see the word mankind, people, people from every tribe, tongue, and nation, we're talking about real people. If you see the word earth dweller or those who dwell on earth, that's a totally different group. 
and they're not really people. They're individuals, they're hybrids, okay? They never had their name written in the book of life. The book of life is the book of mankind. Now, the people from the people, uh, <laughs> people's tongues, tribes, and nations, they're real people, okay? But the earth dwellers are, are not real people. They're hybrids, and they hate people. And remember, okay, don't lose the plot here. Remember the plot is this, that during the end times, Jesus is going to judge, not people, but fallen entities, the hybrids, the, the goats of Matthew 25, the beast, the false prophet, the angels that fall from heaven, the uh, fallen angels who come up out of the pit, the four angels that are bound at the river Euphrates, demons, and uh, all, all the hybrids, okay, all the hybrids who are known as those who dwell on earth or earth dwellers. So in Revelation, there are many groups of entities, whether they're angels, good angels, fallen angels, <laughs> um, sons of God who are firstborn sons who are taken in a rapture and other offspring and uh, ones who are filled with the Holy Spirit and ones who don't have the Holy Spirit. All of these are different groups and they have a, an assigned name or descriptor. So what I want to do now is talk about the pattern of the giving of the Holy Spirit. And this would be a really good time to actually download the show notes. Okay, so the Old Testament story of Elijah and Elisha is um, sort of established the pattern for um, how a spirit-filled ministry would be transferred from one um, person, in this case Elijah, to another person, Elisha. So the transfer of a spiritual inheritance, basically. And what Elisha wanted was um, the double portion of Elijah's spirit. And Elijah, I'm sure, would have gladly done that. But he said that he couldn't. So let's read 2 Kings 2, 9 through 14. And when they had crossed, Elijah said to Elisha, Ask what I shall do for you before I'm taken from you. And Elisha said, Please let there be a double portion of your spirit on me. And he said, You've asked a hard thing. Yet, if you see me as I am being taken from you, it shall be so for you. Okay, this is, this is part of the pattern is that a person needs to see the first person go and then they'll get the double portion. That is, they will be the ones who will be foundational in carrying the ministry forward. So the apostles saw Jesus ascend into heaven and they received the double portion on Pentecost. Here Elijah goes into heaven and Elisha will receive the double portion. Verse 12 of 2 Kings chapter 2 Verse 11 of 2 Kings 2. And as they still went on and talked, behold, chariots of fire and horses of fire separated the two of them. And Elijah went up in a whirlwind into heaven, and Elisha saw it. And he cried, My father, my father, the chariots of Israel and its horsemen. And he saw him no more. And he took hold of his own clothes and tore them into two pieces. And he took up the cloak of Elijah that had fallen from him, and went back and stood on the bank of the Jordan. And then he took the cloak of Elijah that had fallen from him and struck the water, saying, Where is the Lord, the God of Elijah? 
And when he'd struck the water, the water was parted to the one side and to the other, and Elisha went over. Now, uh, the Bible actually records that Elisha did twice as many miracles as Elijah did. So Elisha wanted to be Elijah's spiritual heir, and he was. But as far as getting a double portion, well, that could only be um, given by God. Elijah could not do that. Now, God had already told Elijah that Elisha would be the one who would succeed him as the leader of the prophets. That's in 1 Kings 19, verses 16 and 19. Um, God tells Elijah this, You are also to anoint Jehu, son of uh, Nimshi, as king over Israel, and Elisha, the son of Shaphat, from Abel-Meholah, to succeed you as prophet. So Elijah departed and found Elisha, the son of Shaphat, and he was plowing with 12 teams of oxen, and he was uh, and he was with the 12th team. And Elijah passed him and threw his cloak around him. And that was basically Elijah calling um, Elisha to follow him. So Elisha had already been called to serve and presumably had already received a measure of the Spirit, just like the other sons of the prophets did. And remember, Saul went up and um, he met the sons of the prophets and he started prophesying because the Spirit of the Lord came on him. So this was a phenomena that the Lord would send the Spirit on the sons of the prophets. And so Elisha presumably already had um, a portion of the spirit on him. But Elisha wanted more. He wanted a special anointing. But the problem was that Elijah could not give the Holy Spirit to Elisha, nor could he promise Elisha that he would be given the Holy Spirit in a double measure. And the reason why Elijah couldn't give the Holy Spirit is because Jesus hadn't died yet. He hadn't died he hadn't resurrected and ascended to heaven, and he hadn't given the Holy Spirit on basically all believers at that point in time and gave them authority to give the Spirit to other people, other believers. Elijah had a limit on that kind of authority. He couldn't do that. And as we're going to read a little bit later on, neither could Moses. So let's uh, fast forward now to our present day, and I'm thinking that if we're going to be, you know, raptured out of here, you know, hopefully this fall, 2023, that Moses and Elijah are already here, okay? Moshe and Eliyahu, okay? Two extremely common um, Old Testament names. And I don't know if any of you have actually discipled people before or had a ministry where you're pouring your life and, and your teaching into other people. You do that on, on a one-to-one -one basis. Even, even what I'm doing with you right now uh, via the internet is me and you um, with some you know, time in private and quiet to be able to uh, impart information and for you to be able to hear it and to receive it and to sort it out and to discern it and all of that. And it takes years for people to let go of old things and to learn new things. And it takes years for um, the old leaven to be uh, removed, that is the old teaching, and for new teaching to be imparted. And for the 144,000, they have to understand the Old Testament scriptures that talk about the Messiah. They have to know that stuff. And I don't, 
you know, I, none of this is like magic. It, they don't just all of a sudden get a download where now they know all of this stuff. They're going to be taught. They're going to be taught by the two witnesses. Okay, they're going to be taught and that's what's happening right now. Where is it happening? I don't know. Probably in small synagogues, home group meetings, coffee shops. I don't know. But it's not on street corners with them looking like crazy people standing up there and shouting repent. Okay, there's a name for people like that in Israel. Okay, and there's a kind of a delusion that um, oftentimes, I mean, it's a <laughs> it's a syndrome of some kind that when people go to Israel, they'll they'll all of a sudden get this feeling they need to prophesy and they stand on street corners and they wear robes and they're they act like crazy people. I forget what it's called, but anyway, the, the two witnesses are not going to do that. Okay, they're not going to do that, and they're not going to be dressed in Old Testament clothes. They're going to look like regular Jewish people, regular Israelis who have an understanding and a grasp of the Old Testament and share that with the 144,000. They have to be, um, in a good way, indoctrinated. And it takes years to do that. All right, so part of their ministry is what we read about in Malachi 4, verses 5 and 6. Behold, I will send you Elijah the prophet before the great and awesome day of the Lord comes. And he will turn the hearts of fathers to their children and the hearts of children to their fathers, lest I come and strike the land with a decree of utter destruction. So Elijah could not give the Holy Spirit to Elisha. Only God could do that. And Elijah still can't give the Holy Spirit to anybody, not to the 144,000, not to anybody. All right. And if prophecy is pattern at the end of the the ministry of the two witnesses, the private ministry with individuals teaching and training and getting out the old leaven and so on, they will be ready to actually receive Jesus just as the early apostles did not truly believe in Jesus until the Last Supper, until the night, you know, it was like almost the last minute and then they finally believed in Jesus then three days later they could receive the Holy Spirit um, from Jesus when he breathed on them. So John 16 verses 28 through 31, this is Jesus talking to the apostles in the upper room. I came from the Father and have come into the world, and now I am leaving the world and going to the Father. And, okay, this is getting toward the end of the Last Supper, all right? They're, they're almost done here. And his disciples said, Ah, oh, now you're speaking plainly and not using figurative speech. Now we know that you know all things. You do not need anyone to question you. And this is why we believe that you came from God. Finally, they believed who Jesus was. And then right after that, right after chapter 16, you get chapter 17, which a lot of people call the high priestly prayer, not a high priestly prayer, Jesus' stewardship account. I have manifested your name to the people whom you gave me out of the world. Those people, the 12 apostles, were Jesus' stewardship. Yours they were, you gave them to me, and they have kept your word. And now they know that everything that you have given me is from you. And I have given them the words that you gave me, 
and they have received them and have come to know in truth that I came from you and they have believed that you sent me. Right, so it took basically three and a half years for the disciples to believe in Jesus. All right, so the next day Jesus would die and then he'd be raised on the third day and would impart the Holy Spirit to them on that day. Now, the same thing is going to hold true of the 12,000 from each of the 12 tribes. They're going to come to faith, that is, that actual saving faith, right around the time we're changed, right toward the end of three years of being discipled. Okay, everything is repeating over again. It's repeating. But the impartation of the Spirit is not something that either Moses or Elijah can do because the ministry that God has given the church is what is going to be passed on to the 144,000 and that wasn't their ministry. They can't pass that on, but we can, okay, and we, we can. And that's part of what we're going to be doing during the seven days after we've been changed from mortal to immortal. I've done videos on this before. And then on then we'll be raptured into heaven. The 144,000 will see us go. And then they will receive the double portion later on that same day on the 8th day. Uh, Revelation 5, 6. And between the throne and the four living creatures and among the elders, I saw a lamb standing as though it had been slain with seven horns and with seven eyes, which are the seven spirits of God sent out into all the earth. So the day that we go up and begin our ministry as priests before the golden altar, that's the day the Spirit of God in the Joel 2 outpouring will come on the 144,000 and on anybody else who's a new believer at that time. So let's take a look at the example of Moses and the Holy Spirit. So God told Moses to select 70 elders, okay, from the tribes. And elders are firstborn. They are usually the leaders of the tribe happen to be the firstborn sons in, in the tribe or in the family. And God said to Moses, I want you to have assistants. That's what the 24 elders, that's what we do with Christ. We're his assistants. We assist him in the ministry. So when Christ seals the 144,000 in Revelation 7, um, what he says to the angels, the four trumpet angels, is don't do anything until we have sealed the servants of God on their foreheads. The we is Jesus and us as his assistants. In order for these elders to have the wisdom that they're going to need to serve, they need to be given a measure of the same spirit that God placed on Moses. So Numbers 11, verses 16 and 17. Then the Lord said to Moses, Bring me 70 of the elders of Israel known to you as leaders and officers of the people. Bring them to the tent of meeting and have them stand there with you. And I will come down and speak with you there. And I will put some of the spirit that is on you and put that spirit on them. And who's going to do that? God says, I'm going to do that. Okay. Moses could do a lot of things. <laughs> Moses could do miracles and strike a rock and water would come out. and He could do all kinds of things, but he could not give the Spirit to anybody. Just like Elijah, you know, though Elijah was a very uh, 
powerful Old Testament prophet, he did not have the power to impart the Holy Spirit. All right, so let's take a look at the double portion in the first century. So when a disciple is going to be given the double portion, what it means is that they effectively become the heir of their teacher. So the 12 apostles are the ones who are going to carry on the spiritual inheritance of Christ. That spiritual ministry, they're going to take it out to the world. That's their job. And what Jesus told the apostles was that they were going to be doing more works than Jesus did. Okay, this is like Elisha did twice as many works as Elijah did. A double portion means you're going to have more power and do more things. And we think, well, how could anybody do more than what Jesus did? Well, that's what Jesus said here in John 14, 12. Truly, truly, I tell you, whoever believes in me will also do the works that I am doing. He will do even greater things than these because I am going to the Father. And by going to the Father, what it means is Jesus would uh, be glorified and then be able to give the Holy Spirit. So, like I said before, the first impartation of the Holy Spirit on the apostles was not on Pentecost. It was on first fruits. In John 20, verses 19 through 22, you can read about that. Jesus appeared to them, and he said to the apostles, As the Father has sent me, even so I am sending you. And when he had said this, he breathed on them and said to them, Receive the Holy Spirit. And, like in the example of Elijah and Elisha, the apostles saw Jesus go into heaven. They saw him being taken from them. That's Acts chapter 1, verses 6 through 9. So when they'd come together, they asked him, Lord, will you now at this time restore the kingdom to Israel? In other words, are you going to usher in the millennial reign, Okay, the, the coming kingdom? And Jesus said to them, it is not for you, that is for the apostles, to know the times or seasons that the Father has fixed by his own authority. But, you will receive power when the Holy Spirit has come upon you, and you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem. It was the crop duster. <laughs> oh no, not the crop duster. It's another little, little plane taking off from the airport near us. He said to them, It is not for you to know the times or seasons that the Father has fixed by his own authority, but you will receive power when the Holy Spirit has come upon you, and you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem and all Judea and Samaria, and to the end of the earth. And when he would said these things, as they were looking on, he was lifted up, and a cloud took him out of their sight. Ten days later they received the double portion, on the day of Pentecost, and not only them, okay, they, the apostles received a double portion, but there were 120 other people, and then 3,000 more people who got saved, and they all were filled with the Holy Spirit. It was a fulfillment of Joel chapter 2. We can read about that in Acts chapter 2. So here's the pattern it's going to repeat during the last days. And don't worry, I haven't forgotten about the God-fearers and why they're not going to receive the Holy Spirit, but they will still probably be raptured. The 144,000 will receive the double portion birthright. We will seal them in the Holy Spirit. They'll get that first impartation from us. Then they'll see us go. And then on the eighth day, the same day that we're caught up, they will be given the Joel 2 outpouring. They'll only get that, though, if they see us go, which, which they will. 
Now, having the double portion also qualifies these people to be first fruits to God in the same way that the 12 apostles were first fruits. They were first fruits to God. Um, they were that foundation on which the, the rest of uh, the church would be built. And the 144,000 are going to be that next foundation. So remember when John eats the little scroll, it's sweet in his mouth. Well, that's because everybody's getting saved and baptized in the Holy Spirit. And we're getting changed and there's this huge revival happening. Okay, And John is told to that he must again prophesy about many peoples and nations and languages and tongues or something like that. It means we're starting it all over again. If this is happening all over again, um, what happened in the first century is now going to happen um, during the end times. The other thing that the double portion may mean is that these people will actually have uh, more Holy Spirit power, and not necessarily in the sense of miracles, although that may be the case, but authority and uh, in the sense of understanding the scriptures, understanding the word of God, and being able to speak with authority to people on the earth. All right, so the 144,000 are going to have their own rapture. It's the second rapture that will be on first fruits, uh, not too long after we're uh, raptured ourselves. They're the only ones that will go on that second rapture. Okay, that is a rapture that is just for the 144,000 from the 12 tribes of Israel that are descendants of Abraham, and God knows who they are. The remnant of Israel, who are also Jews, who will be living in Jerusalem at, at the time of the abomination, they're going to be kept safe in the wilderness. That's a totally different group of people. That's the group of Israel that Jesus is going to build his earthly Israel from, that group. Other believers uh, who, whether they're spirit-filled or not, are going to have to stay until that third rapture, which comes out on a day and hour that nobody knows. But here's the deal. Most all believers, almost all of them, if not like pretty much all of them, with the exception of like just very, very few, a, a remnant, will be killed during the 10-day bloodbath of the harlot and the earth dwellers and the kings of the earth. And I'm, I'm just going to give you a little piece of information here of how I think that might work. And I'm, I'm going to do a whole video on this, I think. In, in the book of Revelation, we see that the word testimony or I testify. Uh, Jesus testifies that this word that he was given from the Father is true. John testified that it was true. The angel that Jesus gave the message to, to give to John, the angel testified that what, what he said was true. There are people who are going to be given the testimony and who will die for the testimony of Jesus. And this is one of those things that we don't understand that Revelation has its own very specific and peculiar definition for the testimony. It's not just that Jesus died and rose from the dead. The testimony of Jesus here is the book of Revelation. People are going to die because they believe what the Bible says in the book of Revelation. They believe that Jesus is coming back. They believe <laughs> that that the, um, the beast and the false prophet and the earth dwellers and those who take the mark of the beast are not going to be able to uh, retain the earth forever. There's a very interesting law that has been put in place It's in Europe that um, if you're online and you 
um, go counter to whatever the narrative is that you can have your channel taken down or you know things deleted and so on that if you're fake news. And uh, remember Noah Yuval Harari, who is sort of like Klaus Schwab's right-hand prophet person? Uh, this man, Harari, has said that Jesus is fake news. Jesus is fake news. So once we're gone, okay, once believers are gone and the 144,000 are here and people are getting saved right and left because they actually see resurrected people, you and I in our, in our immortal but not glorified bodies, Millions of people are going to get saved, but revelation is fake news. Jesus is fake news, and the message of the book of Revelation is going to be taken down, and anybody who promotes fake news will probably go to jail. So what I'm telling you right now has a shelf life. Eventually, it's not going to be possible to talk like I'm talking right now because Jesus and Revelation and believers who are caught up to heaven, um, it's all fake news. So the 144,000 are going to see us leave and they'll get their double portion, okay? And then they will be here on the earth for a while, not very long, actually, you know, just months. And then they will be taken into heaven. Most of the martyrs, fifth seal martyrs will all be in heaven, will already be in heaven. Almost everybody who loves Jesus is already going to be in heaven, which is going to make the earth belong basically to the beast and uh, the false prophet and the earth dwellers and the entities who will be made in the image of the beast, just like we're in the image of Christ. There will be entities, um, the watchers from the pit are going to indwell people um, in the same way that Apollyon is going to indwell that seventh king who is going to die and come back as the eighth king, the beast who ascends from the bottomless pit, the beast from the sea of death. All right, so it'll look like the world is going to be um, in this new golden age, this sort of fake millennium that the beast and the false prophet are going to set up, along with the dragon, along with Satan, who will be here on earth too, by the way. And so any... Any information that contradicts that narrative is fake news and it will be taken down. But once the beast begins to reign, there aren't actually going to be very many people left who are believers. Okay, There will be a remnant. Those are the people that Paul talks about in 1 Thessalonians 4, the survivors. Those who are alive and survive or remain or are the remnant until the coming of the Lord. And remember, the coming of the Lord is his parousia, the millennium, okay, when Jesus begins to reign, okay, which won't start until the seventh trumpet. But he comes before then. He comes on the day of atonement, okay, and the wrath of God will start with the bold judgments right after that last group is in heaven. But let's talk about God-fearers, okay? During the last days, there are going to be people who are, I think, they're going to be Christians in the same way that Moses and Elijah are Christians. They're not Christians in the same way that we are, but they're part of the body of Christ. Um, Hebrews 11 tells us that Moses uh, lived the way he did for the sake of Christ. Okay, so all these Old Testament saints who died, who were in Sheol, God brought them, okay, uh, Noah and, um, you know, Moses and Elijah were brought into heaven. But, you know, Abraham and Isaac and Jacob 
and Samson and Noah. All these were in Sheol until Jesus died, okay, and he went into Sheol, the place of the dead, and he, he sprung them. They're all in heaven now. And the day that we are changed is the day that all these Old Testament saints are going to be changed too, from mortal to immortal, with the exception of the two witnesses. Okay, they're, they're the exception to all these rules. Okay, they're their own thing. They're not part of the church. They're not part of the Old Testament believers who are going to be changed at the same time we are. Okay, so they're their own thing. On the day of the abomination of desolation, that same day, second woe, sixth trumpet, one hour destruction of the harlot mystery Babylon, World War III ends that day, which if we're raptured this, this fall will be like basically it's six months from now. March 30th of, and April 1st of 2024 will be the end of World War III if we're taken this year. There are people who will see the two witnesses rise from the dead on that day and ascend into heaven. They're leaving. Okay, but the ministry of the two witnesses is not continued. But neither is the ministry of the church, of believers. That's not continued. That's all coming to an end. There aren't, there isn't, this isn't being passed on. And so the Holy Spirit is not going to be given, even though those people watch Moses and Elijah leave. So what's going to happen then? Well, these are the people who are called God-fearers, or those who fear God and give Him glory. And there have always been God-fearers. Uh, the book of Acts, chapter 10, verses 1 and 2. At Caesarea, there was a man named Cornelius, a centurion in what was called the Italian Regiment. He and all his household were devout and God-fearing. He gave generously to the people and prayed to God regularly. Okay, and he's one of the first people that would be, uh, receive the Holy Spirit, one of the first Gentiles. The next one, book of Acts, chapter 13, verses 26 through 48, is Paul speaking. Brothers, children of Abraham, and you Gentiles who fear God. Okay. It is to us that this message of salvation has been sent. And when the Gentiles heard this, they rejoiced and glorified the word of the Lord. And all who were appointed for eternal life believed. So here the Gentiles are called those who fear God and give him uh, glory. And they're appointed to eternal life. So the 144,000 of Israel will be taken in their own rapture over the Feast of First Fruits, about five months after we're gone, and the two witnesses will be killed on the same day that the, um, that the 144,000 are brought into heaven, which happens to be like the last day of that 10 days of persecution of, from the harlot and the earth dwellers, the hybrids. And that's the day that um, Satan will be cast out of heaven and that's the day the beast will rise from the dead and kill the two witnesses. And the two witnesses will lie for three and a half days. And then after three and a half days, they will rise from the dead and ascend into heaven. And there's going to be a giant earthquake in Israel. That's what's going to split the mountains so that the remnant of Israel can flee through that opening. And it says here that these, there are people who give God glory. So the God-fearers will see Moses and Elijah go, but they're not going to get the Holy Spirit. But they give God glory, and they fear God. And they're going to be alive during the reign of the beast, and they cannot take 
the mark of the beast, which they won't. So Matthew 25, 31 and following is, uh, describes the sheep in the parable of sheep and goats, which I think is a, is a real story about what's going to happen when Christ returns in all of his glory with the holy angels with him, that there are going to be people who have survived or um, who may have died during the reign of the beast who will then be resurrected. And even though they hadn't been given the Holy Spirit, they will be given the kingdom. I just want to go over the verses again that talk about these God-fearers. So the first one is uh, a hint that they're going to exist. Revelation 14, 6, and 7. This is right after the um, abomination of desolation, destruction of mystery Babylon at the second woe. Uh, then I saw another angel flying directly overhead with an internal gospel to proclaim to those who dwell on earth and to every nation and tribe and language and people. Okay, those who dwell on earth and all of those people and he said with a loud voice fear God and give him glory because the hour of his judgment has come remember that's the hour okay the hour of judgment it's a literal hour and worship him who made the heaven and earth the seas and springs of water and then in Revelation 11 where we actually read about the destruction of mystery Babylon uh, in an hour at the second well six trumpet is a one hour on a single day we read about people uh, who, uh, who give glory to the God of heaven. And at that hour there was a great earthquake, and a tenth of the city fell, and 7,000 people were killed in the earthquake, and the rest were terrified and gave glory to the God of heaven. Revelation 15.4, there is a group of raptured people um, that Christ has brought into heaven, they're standing on the sea of glass, which means they are not actually in God's very presence. They're outside of that heavenly tabernacle. They've been touching a dead body, <laughs> okay? And so I'll talk more about that on another video. So they're gonna be outside of God's presence on the sea of glass. And they, they sing the song of Moses and the Lamb, but they also have this phrase in there, who will not fear, O Lord, and glorify thy name. And Revelation 19.5, when it's talking about the judgment on the beast and the false prophet and so on, uh, and the seventh trumpet when the dead are raised, then a voice came from the throne saying, Praise our God, all you who serve him, and those who fear him, small and great alike. And Revelation 11:18 also talks about the seventh trumpet. The time has come to judge the dead and to reward your servants, the prophets, as well as the saints and those who fear your name, both small and great. So there's the people who fear God's name, who give him glory, who are small and great, are also going to be taken in that third rapture, even though they didn't receive an impartation of the Holy Spirit. And why is that? It's because they're like Abel and Noah and <laughs> Deborah and Samson, anybody in the uh, Old Testament days who uh, loved and served God, in, who intentionally loved and served God. 
It's not just that they were good people. It's that they intentionally loved and served God. So in Revelation, every raptured group has their own song that they sing. The kings and priests that are before God's throne, um, they sing a song about how God has made them a kingdom of priests. The 144,000, while we don't know that song, they have their own song that nobody can sing. The same thing is true with that last group of raptured people who are standing by the sea of glass. They have their own song too. Revelation 15, uh, starting with verse 3, and they sing the song of Moses, the servant of God, and the song of the Lamb, saying, Great and amazing are your deeds, O Lord God the Almighty. Just and true are your ways, O King of the nations. Who will not fear, O Lord, and glorify your name? For you alone are holy. All nations will come and worship you, for your righteous acts have been revealed. In Matthew's Gospel, we learn that Christ will separate his people from among the nations. The righteous sheep will be inheritors of the kingdom that was prepared for them since the foundation of the world. Matthew 25, 34. Then the king will say to those on his right, Come, you, are, you who are blessed of my father, inherit the kingdom prepared for you from the foundation of the world. Paul tells us that God has prepared a kingdom for believers since the foundation of the world. Ephesians 1, 4, and 5. For he chose us in him before the foundation of the world to be holy and blameless in his presence. In love he predestined us for adoption as sons through Jesus Christ. There, there will be some God-fearing sheep, people who are God-fearers, who glorify God, who, who may die just of natural causes during the reign of the beast. That means they, they're not going to be raptured. They're not going to be part of that raptured group. And they're not going to be part of those who are going to rule and reign with Christ as firstborn because they weren't killed by the beast. But they will be resurrected at the seventh trumpet along with everybody else who hadn't been raised from the dead yet who is a believer. Okay, because the only people who are resurrected at the seventh trumpet are people who belong to Christ in a special way. They're, they are eventually all going to be the, the bride. They're not the bride yet, but they will be the bride after the millennium. The second uh, resurrection is the one that happens for everybody else, everybody else after the millennium. That's at the great white throne judgment. The, the passage in Matthew 25, when the Son of Man comes in his glory and all the angels with him, he will sit on his glorious throne and before him will be gathered all the nations and he will separate people one from another as a shepherd separates the sheep from the goats. And he'll place the sheep on his right, but the goats on the left. Then the king will say to those on his right, come, you who are blessed by my father, inherit the kingdom prepared for you from the foundation of the world. For I was hungry, and you gave me food. I was thirsty, and you gave me drink. I was a stranger, and you welcomed me. I was naked, and you clothed me. I was sick, and you visited me. I was in prison, and you came to me. Then the righteous will answer him, saying, Lord, when did we see you hungry and feed you, or thirsty and give you drink? And when did we see you a stranger and welcome you, or naked and clothe you? And when did we see you sick or in prison and visit you? And the king will answer them, 
Truly I say to you, as you did it to one of the least of these, my brothers, you did it to me. So these people will actually be helping Christians during the time of the end, especially Christians uh, who will be living during the reign of the beast. And these people are not spirit-filled. They do not have the Holy Spirit, but Jesus calls them righteous. And that when they were helping believers, Jesus saw that as them doing it for him. All right, so God-fearers, they won't receive the Holy Spirit because the ministry isn't being passed on. It's coming to an end. It's coming to a close with Christ's return. And even though they do not have or will not have an impartation of the Spirit, they will still be considered as righteous, just like Old Testament saints who had a, a faith in Christ, a faith in God. Um, and remember, it's faith that pleases God, that their faith, their belief, they're giving God glory and believing that God is who he says he is and that Jesus is returning. That faith will save them uh, and they will be part of the bride of Christ later on. So in a summary here, number one, the Old Testament has established the prophetic pattern for the giving of the Holy Spirit via the stories of Moses and God giving the 70 elders the Holy Spirit so they could help Moses. And Elijah, you know, could not give the Holy Spirit to Elisha. But the double portion or the, the Spirit needs to be given in order for the ministry to be perpetuated, to continue on. And this is how a specific ministry is passed from one spiritual generation to the next spiritual generation. Number two, even though Moses and Elijah were and still are powerful men of God, they don't have the authority to impart the Holy Spirit to anyone. Number three, in the future, the double portion of the Holy Spirit will be given to those who watch the rapture of those who previously held the ministry. And that's us. We have the ministry. We can impart the, the Spirit to these people. At least the first impartation, the sealing of the Holy Spirit. The greater Joel 2 outpouring will happen on the day that we are taken up into heaven and begin our ministry as priests and the Spirit of God is sent out into all the world. Number four, the training and discipling aspect of the end time ministry of the two witnesses will come to an end when the 144,000 are brought to faith just prior to our departure into heaven. It's going to take three years of the two witnesses ministering and discipling and teaching the 144,000 or those who are going to be a part of that group, whether it's a literal number or not, they will be brought to that saving faith on the day that we're changed, made um, go from mortal to immortal. And then that's when we pick up the ministry from there and uh, pray for these people to be sealed in the spirit they will see us go, they will receive the double portion, and then they will carry on the ministry that we've had. Only now it goes back from basically a mostly Gentile church back to Israel. Um, so that was actually part of uh, point number five, that present day believers will impart the spirit to the 144,000. During the Feast of Tabernacles, after the birth of the man-child, the day that 
that um, we as believers are changed from mortal to immortal. Number six, once we're raptured on the eighth day, they will receive their double portion inheritance from Jesus because they see us go. Okay, number seven, even though others will see the 144,000 when they're raptured, as well as people watch the two witnesses be raptured, the Holy Spirit will not be sent out again. And there will be new believers, but this time they're called those who give God glory, those who fear God and give him glory small, small and great. So there'll be important people and lesser important people who will believe in Jesus, but they are not going to uh, continue of uh, the ministry on. There's not going to be another generation. The ministry that Jesus imparted to the 12 apostles the one is the same ministry that we're going to impart to the 144,000. But once they go into heaven, that's over. The ministry is done, basically, at the time of the abomination of desolation. That's when the last three and a half years for Israel, the last three and a half years of Daniel's 70th week will start up. So the church age kind of ministry is gone, but that doesn't mean that there won't still be a few um, survivors uh, who are spirit-filled believers, as well as people who um, love Jesus, fear him, and give him glory. They won't receive an impartation of the spirit because spiritually speaking, the ministry of believers during that time, during the reign of the beast, will not continue for another generation. That is the line, the spiritual line ends with them. Okay. Revelation 15 indicates that living God-fearers may be raptured at the third rapture along with any remaining spirit-filled believers. Any of those who have died as martyrs of the beast will be resurrected to rule with Christ. And any who died from any other cause will be raised with other believers at the seventh trumpet resurrection after Christ returns, and they will inherit the kingdom too. All right, long video, I realize, but there's the, the word of God is just so full. There's just so much there, and I just felt like it was important that this group called the God-fearers <laughs> gets their place in the story because they need to know, too, that once the abomination of desolation happens, that they just need to believe. They just need to believe in Jesus uh, the way the 12 apostles believed in Jesus before they had the Holy Spirit. The way people have believed in Jesus apart from a indwelling ministry of the Holy Spirit. They're going to be part of that kingdom that was prepared for us from the foundation of the world. And they will be part of the bride of Christ, which is really, really exciting. This is why the bride of Christ does not exist yet, because all the members of the bride of Christ uh, will not be brought into heaven as those living stones that are being built into a holy habitation for God. That isn't going to happen until the very last, very end of everything um, at the seventh trumpet. Okay, long video. Get a copy of the timeline template, please, the spreadsheet. Much of this information is there. Not all of it, but a lot of it is. You can download the show notes. I include them in many of my videos. Um, please, please download that spreadsheet. I know a lot of people are looking for a Feast of Trumpets rapture, and when that doesn't happen, <laughs> and there won't be a Day of Atonement rapture either, 
People will need to have information. People need information. Anyway, leave a comment in the comment section. We'll see you on another video. Till then, have a blessed day.